Hey friends, welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. I'm your host today, Kristen Carey, and I'm going to introduce Julie St. Ange to you and a podcast episode that was recorded at the end of February 2020, right before the entire United States of America started shutting down due to the coronavirus and our nation followed suit with the rest of the world and changing drastically. Now the bulk of this podcast episode is timeless. It is relevant to people who love someone with an addiction. It is relevant to people with an addiction. Um, In so many ways, you're going to learn from Julie Moore about top-down and bottom-up self-regulating tactics, ways to help yourself stay calm when your brain is signaling danger, and ways to help you improve your um, self-talk and your compassion for yourself, which are all really key parts of recovery. But at the end, Julie and I are going to talk about the New England Betrayal Trauma Recovery Conference, which is definitely still on. But when we recorded this, it was set to be an in-person conference, and it has now changed to a virtual event only. So the website remains the same. The Facebook page remains the same. But the event is now one day only. It is Saturday, October 10th from 9 to 5, and the cost has gone down also. Um, But I really hope you can tune in and listen to Julie's great perspectives and strategies with regards to self-regulating and making progress in recovery. This is Kristen Carey hosting us today, and I am really excited to have right here with me my friend, Julie St. Ange. Hi, Kristen. Thank you for having me on your show. Thanks, Julie. I'm so glad you're here with me. Um, Julie is the leader of our Women in the Battle group in New Hampshire, and I just got to spend an entire weekend with her along with 14 other fabulous women who lead our Women in the Battle groups in other locations. Uh, Women in the Battle is a group for women who've been impacted by their partner's sexual betrayal. So women whose husbands have either struggled with pornography or infidelity or any other version of sexual secrets within the marriage that causes tremendous pain and damage. And so these women who lead the women in the battle groups, we gathered together for a weekend of training and encouragement and connection. And I'm so glad that you came, Julie. We had an amazing time at our weekend away. I really got to have some good connection time with the women and came away with some really strong tools from my group in New Hampshire. So thank you for coordinating that. It was amazing. Oh, I'm so happy. It was it was a really phenomenal weekend that God really met with us and filled our joy tanks. And one of my favorite moments was when corporately we were reflecting on the things that God has done in our lives because of the power of being in a group like this, of other women who know exactly what it feels like to go through sexual betrayal and who are working their way towards God, towards a recovered, renewed sense of hope and life. So Julie, what were your main points that you brought out from that experience of thinking about back when you started your Women in the Battle journey and what it what it offered you, what it gave you to be in a group like that? Yeah, um, as I reflected on that during our time away, I realized that one of the biggest takeaways for me with partner support was that um, I was free because my life before that was a lot of rules. It was controlled. 
Um, and I felt like I couldn't breathe at times. And so discovering the tools that I needed, the support, um, the resources was just empowering to enable me to take the next steps forward towards being a healthier version of myself and um, calling my spouse to something better. Mm. So those were some of my takeaways um, in our home situation. Our home turned from chaos to serenity because we all grew emotionally and my husband did the hard work of recovery. And so living with a spouse who is in a stable place who's done that hard work just makes our whole home feel like a different place. So there's been a lot of gifts that have come out of doing that work for me. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I'm looking around the room this weekend at these women who are now serving their communities, women who are giving back and leading women in the battle groups. And I was so inspired to hear all the reasons why women are choosing to serve and lead women in the battle groups. And so what were your main points that reasons why you have chosen to serve and to give back by leading a women in the battle group? I realized the power that shame can have over you to stay silent. Um, Shame that you've done something wrong, that you did something to deserve or cause that situation. Um, Shame for the addict. You know, there's shame on all sides. And what that does is it keeps you in a place of being stuck. You can't reach out for help and support if you're so ashamed that you you won't, you know, reach out for that help. So Mm -hmm. I think one of my biggest callings is to help reduce that shame and call people out of that darkness so that we can support one another because there is power in the group, as you said, throughout the weekend. And I really believe that in lifting others up and in helping them to become healthier, you... um, you're not only doing something for them, but it, it will come back to you too. That that principle of re, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Were there any other reasons that you chose to step forward in faith and serve in a women in the battle group? You know, not everyone will step forward and serve, and I think that God has a different purpose in place for each person, but. I really felt that he put it on my heart to do this. And when he's called me in the past, I think that it's been, you know, you lose time when you either choose to ignore him or fight against him. And I just want to make the most of what I have in life to be saying, yes, Lord, I'll go where you say to go and I'll stay where you say to stay. So Julie, along with leading a woman in the battle group in New Hampshire, you are also a licensed coach working specifically in areas of betrayal trauma and sexual addiction and infidelity recovery. And you're also a nurse. How long have you been a nurse? I've been a nurse for 20 years. Oh my goodness. So I love the combination of being a nurse and a coach because you can integrate so much medical, physiological aspects of regulation and infuse that into your coaching. You do health coaching too, don't you? Yes, I do. Wow. Awesome. So I'd love it if you could give our listeners some of the tools that you use to help both addicts and partners to self-regulate or to take a more holistic view at their recovery process. Yeah, I when I did nursing, which I'm, I'm still licensed, but I'm not practicing right now, I worked with labor and delivery. 
So I coach people through a lot of painful situations. And it's interesting, I'm seeing such similarities with this type of pain. Mm. Because emotional pain is the most agonizing kind of pain you can go through. Most people would choose physical pain over emotional pain. So learning how to regulate, how to pace yourself, self-care, those are so necessary to be able to go through this process in the long haul. It's not a sprint. It's, it's, a, um, it's a marathon. You have to be ready because it's going to take time. And it's going to be a while. So Mm -hmm. there are things that I do with people to help their brain heal, to help them learn how to regulate and to figure out what, you know, there's a sensation when you you feel afraid. It's called fight, flight, freeze. Mm -hmm. And your brain is operating at a different level than when you're calm. That calm sensation is a parasympathetic response called rest, relax, heal. You can't heal if you're ready to always run from danger. Mm -hmm. And so our brain sends misfiring signals that we're still in danger, even when things are not that way anymore. Mm. So if you're, you know, first it's assessing safety, getting safe, knowing what that plan looks like for you, working with a coach or counselor to establish Mm -hmm. safety. And then past that, you can start working on different techniques. They call them top down or bottom up. That means you're either working on regulating yourself neurologically and in your mind, or you're working on regulating yourself through your body and somatic experiencing, working that stress out in your body. So one thing I like to start with people is the, um, the term PIES, P-I-E-S, which is looking at your, your whole person holistically. There are different parts of you that you need to learn to take care of for the addict it's important for them to be in a space where they're not self-neglecting because that can be a yellow circle type behavior. So it's the physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual looking at all of those areas. And for, for people who are healing from betrayal trauma, we sometimes neglect ourselves because the emotional pain is so great. Mm -hmm. So again, looking at those four areas and saying, how can I care for myself in these ways? So can you mention those four areas again? Yeah, it's pies. Okay. Physical, intellectual, emotional, Mm -hmm. and spiritual. So I would like to focus in on what does it look like to take care of your mind? Mm -hmm. How to set yourself up for success, whether you're in recovery in addiction sense or recovery because of the trauma that the betrayal has caused you. So some of the areas that I focus with clients are is shame reducing, uh, self-talk. What does your self-talk sound like? Mm -hmm. Perfectionism. We all hear that word and we think, oh, you know, they're aiming high. That might be a good thing. But really perfectionism is an unattainable goal. And so it increases shame. And the other one would be black and white thinking and then unresolved trauma. So Mm -hmm. those are some areas where it can set you back. And and my personal favorites would be the perfectionism and talking about self-talk. Are there some tools that you use to help people with perfectionism and uh, self-talk? Yeah, there is a really good free assessment for perfectionism. And it's important to measure your perfectionism because... This isn't a tool that you use to shame yourself. It's something that you use to say, here's where I started, but there's so much room for growth. 
and there's possibility for growth. So with perfectionism, the assessment measures, am I putting myself under a strain to be perfect? Mm -hmm. Am I expecting others to be perfect? Or do I feel that pressure from society? And one thing I go through with people with perfectionism is picture a bucket of accomplishment. Now, if nothing can get in that bucket because you have layered that with the saran wrap of shame, what happens is every time you accomplish even the smallest thing, that accomplishment drips around your bucket and becomes shame. Mm which then triggers you to go back into a vicious cycle of obsessive compulsiveness, increasing your um, demands on yourself and expecting an an even higher level of performance for yourself. Mm. So one thing I teach people to do is give yourself permission to have an 80% bucket where you are counting things because your 80% if you're a perfectionist, is probably still at a level of 100% for most other people. Mm. So you start counting those things. And remember that accomplishment is um, all, per- all about your perspective. To a quadriplegic, picking up a toothbrush and brushing their teeth would have been an accomplishment. Yeah. So we put ourselves at the standard where we only count certain things as an accomplishment. And we stop celebrating and I have a, a slide in my some of my teaching on perfectionism where it's a little girl that has Down syndrome and she's so precious and she's smiling. And the slide says that 97% of people with Down syndrome like who they are mm. because everything counts as an accomplishment. Yeah. They celebrate their uniqueness. They're not expecting themselves to be the best at everything. They're okay just knowing they did good enough, that they did their best job. Mm. Julie, uh, you mentioned an assessment for people to use that they can measure their perfectionism with. And um, would you be able to give me that information so we can put it in the comments below the podcast? Yes. um, Some of the assessments, and I want to mention another assessment as well. um, Selfcompassion.org is a really good assessment for measuring your self-talk, but they also deal with perfectionism in that assessment. That sounds great. There's, I want to look at that. Yeah, there's five levels that they measure. It's self-judgment, perfectionism, understanding common humanity, um, self-talk. And so those are you'll get that number and it will help you to know where you need to go with that. So once you have your score for selfcompassion.org, what I start to do with people is unpack what does self-talk look like. Think of the most vulnerable person you know. Now imagine someone talking to them the way you talk to yourself when you make a mistake. Mm. You would think that was abusive, probably. Mm. Um, The names we call ourselves, the things we say to ourselves, and now you magnify that. You think, well, what if I only have one 60-second conversation a day that sounds that negative to myself? What does that look like at the end of a year? You did that 365 times. So it it tears you down from the inside out. Mm. So working on replacing those things that you say to yourself to be proactive, pick three things you want to say to yourself before you make a mistake and have those ready and try to catch yourself before you say it. And if you don't catch yourself before, you know where you need to start, you know, start after and don't use any shame. Just work with yourself on it. 
So that those are some of the things I like to do with people because if you can start regulating your thoughts and your mind, they see healing take place on fMRI scans. They can see your brain under duress start to heal. And that's called neuroplasticity. Your brain has been designed to heal itself with the right tools, resources, you know, if you may need to replace the dopamine, the serotonin to get back on track. Mm. So some of the things that you can do that are more of a bottom up is somatic experiencing, Mm -hmm. experiencing that stress and trauma in a way that you are working it out in your body. Massage, deep massage, muscle relaxation, progressive muscle relaxation is another thing you can do. That's a really easy one that anyone can do. So you just sit down, you start breathing. And what breathing does is oxygen is a vasodilator. It opens everything up. It allows you to start to relax your muscles. So you just, you start with your head and you relax your face and you go down to your neck and your shoulders. You drop your shoulders, open your hands, relax all the big muscles in your legs right down to your feet. And just practicing that every day is a way that you can start to be mindful of what it feels like to be physically relaxed. Mm -hmm. And that will put you in a space of rest, relax, heal. So that's just one one thing you can do Mm -hmm. with your body. Wow. I think all of these strategies are really helpful, both for people who've experienced betrayal and are in that crisis stage of right after a discovery can help them start to feel safe at least in small moments and then it's kind of like a muscle you keep doing it and it grows and strengthens and it becomes more natural and then I think these are also really great tools for the person who is in crisis because their addiction or their infidelity has blown up in their lives and blown up their relationship in their marriage. So I think these are great tools and resources to share with our audience. Thank you so much, Julie. You're welcome. One thing that inspires me so much about you, Julie, is the faith that you have. And I think it's incredible that you and Judy, one of the women in your Women in the Battle groups who is training to become a coach, the two of you are spearheading a conference that you're hoping women will come to from all over the globe. I am so excited for how God is going to be at work, and I'm excited to be a part of this conference. This is so amazing. You guys have the venue, you have the speakers, there's so much you have lined up, and I'd love to ask you some questions about the conference and hope that some of our listeners will be able to look into this as a resource for them for their recovery. So can you tell me what, what led you guys to make a decision to take a step of faith and, and plan this conference? Um, I've lived in New England my whole life, and I have never seen anything come to us of this nature. And it's very hard to even get women's conferences there and establish, establish them. You know, and you hope and you pray and you wait. And I just one day felt God saying to me, I want you to be that person. And someone has to say yes so that this starts to happen. Um, And just bringing all those women together, Mm -hmm. it's another reminder that you're not alone, you know, that this is a bigger process. It's a global problem. And the more women we can educate and give tools and, and that support, the stronger that movement will become. 
That is so exciting. Julie, um, before we talk more about the goals of the conference, can you just give our audience some information, basic information, like where is the conference, what are the dates, what's the cost, and what is the website so that they could check it out and register? Yeah. So it's the New England Betrayal Trauma Conference, Reconstructing Faith Side by Side. So that's the name of the conference. The website is newenglandbetrayaltraumaconference.com, and the Facebook link to find us on is the New England Betrayal Trauma Conference, Reconstructing Our Faith. Um, It's going to be held in October. It's October 10th and 11th, which is Columbus Day weekend. We chose that on purpose so that people could have an extra day of travel on Monday. It's going to be at the Double Tree Hilton in Manchester, New Hampshire, and we have a venue for 600 women. Wow, that is so exciting. And what are your goals in having this conference? I would say that the main goals are to help educate, help women heal, reduce the shame, give them tools that they can use moving forward, and to call out different topics that are not normally talked about in church mm-hmm. settings. This is a women's only faith-based conference. And so to talk about those issues openly will help reduce that shame mm-hmm. and to address different subjects that may not necessarily have come up before. Yes. I find that that as the church, we have a difficult time talking about issues related to sexuality, especially when there are sexual secrets in a marriage, when there is infidelity, pornography use, and all of those types of struggles. And so I'm so excited that you're going to tackle these things. Um, Can you tell me some of the topics that the speakers are going to be covering more specifically? Yes. So I know that we are talking about what it means to lose yourself in that process. You know, when things get ugly and you need to set up boundaries and learn what your triggers are, it's so easy to forget who God called you to be and to put up defenses that aren't congruent with who you are in his sight. Mm -hmm. And so finding out again, how do you discover what he's called you to be and how to do that well in an incredibly painful situation and not to shame yourself at the same time. None of us are going to do that perfectly, but we're going to be addressing that, talking about the spiritual effects of what we go through and how you can heal, talking about separation and divorce. And oftentimes that's very misunderstood within the church. It looks as though a woman may be giving up on her marriage when in fact she's fighting for it. And she's calling her spouse to something better. Mm -hmm. So just talking about how we can better support um, couples, women, and know that there's a system of accountability for the person who has betrayed the covenant in their marriage. And then there's a system of support for those who need to find safety. Mm. That is so awesome. I'm so excited. And, um, So do you want to share anything about some of our speakers that are going to be at the conference? I would love to. Um, We have Catherine Etherington coming from the UK. She founded the Naked Truth Project, and they're partnering with us. We do have a good number of sponsors coming. Uh, Barbara Steffens will be there, who is the founding president of ABSAT and amazing, and she's written My Sexually Addicted Spouse. Lori Hall, who is the current president of APSAT and has written um, 
books, articles, Affair of the Mind. Amazing. These are all amazing women. Um, Kristen Carey, who is you (laughs) with Living Truth. Yours truly. (laughs) Um, Amazing. Karen Rellos and Lachelle Burkett. And each woman has founded their own organization. And they're just bringing something different to the table to show that wide range of how these situations can go. And I think one of my greatest passions there is that we collaborate because Mm -hmm. we are stronger together and everyone has something to bring to the table. And knowing that um, in doing that, we are bringing the most glory to God and not to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm so excited for this weekend. Um, Julie, also, can you share with our audience, who is this conference for? Like, who do you foresee being in that audience? My heart is is first and foremost for partners, women who have been betrayed through the acting out of um, pornography use, sexual addictions. And so that's really who I'm hoping we can reach. But we've also opened this up to leaders, mm-hmm. pastors, wives, counselors, coaches, anyone who is interested in the topic, Mm -hmm. because that's just another way to help educate the public and bring us all together on the same page so that we can work with one another instead of um, working in opposite directions. Mm. Wow. And do you think most of the women in that conference, or are you targeting like women who are already Christians, or are you hoping that you'll have some people that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus to be in that audience so that they can get a taste of his love? Yeah, we are opening this up to everyone. And I do believe we've been called to the highways and byways. And you look at the life of Jesus, and more often than not, he was befriending the broken. Mm -hmm. And he was befriending those that um, needed a voice, Mm -hmm. those that needed someone to come alongside them and say, you know, you're in a position that you didn't ask to be in, but you're here. Mm -hmm. So um, just bringing that love on them. And I think that that's what we're called to do. And so, yeah, there will be believers there. There'll be Christians there. There'll be people that have never heard the gospel there and all are welcome. That's awesome. So are there um, any items that our audience needs to know about in order to register? And do you want to share the cost and your flash sale that you have going on? Yeah. So the cost of the event is two seventy five, And right now we're running a flash sale. The first hundred to register will receive $50 off. So it, it'll end up being two twenty five yes. for them. Yep. Okay. So that two twenty five will include the 16 hours of the conference, eight hours on Saturday, eight hours on Sunday. It will include breakfast, a gift bag, a trigger kit, and a booklet full of resources, um, tools, and just helpful ways to navigate these situations. Mm. Wow, that sounds awesome. So they go to your website if they want to register. Can you say that again, the website? Yes, it's New England Betrayal Trauma Conference.com. And they can register on that site. And the one thing we're trying to tell people ahead of time is that Columbus Day weekend in New Hampshire is probably one of our busiest tourist seasons. So we have set aside 100 hotels, put a block on those Mm -hmm. rooms, 100 hotel rooms. And those hotels are listed on the website. And I would encourage anyone who's even considering going to the conference 
to put a hold on your room so that you have a place to stay. Awesome. Well, I am so excited to go and be a part of this conference. And I'm just so thankful that you came here this weekend. I'm also really excited about what we're going to do tonight. Because Julie and I, along with another one of our Women in the Battle leaders from Boston, are going to sit on a panel at the Men in the Battle meeting in Carmel, Indiana. So We have yet to look over those questions, but I've done this several years in a row, and it's always incredibly compelling Mm -hmm. to sit there as women, the three of us all having gone through betrayal and our own recovery process um, and having different outcomes to our situations. For me, my first marriage ended in divorce because of sexual betrayal. Your marriage has been restored, and so has our friend Corey's. Um, but after a really long separation. So she experienced that in-between stage of of waiting to see would God restore the relationship or not. So many people's situations wind up in many different ways, but I think there can be hope, there can be joy, there can be life, and there can be an increasing nearness to God and increasing purpose and joy, no matter what the outcome. So we're going to get to answer some really deep and vulnerable questions that men who are recovering from their own sexual integrity issues are submitting to us tonight. And I'm excited to see how that's going to go. How are you feeling about doing that tonight? I just feel blessed. I feel like, you know, as I look into their faces, I see our story. Yeah. And there's no one out there who's suffering, who has a separateness that is so, um, outlandish that we can't find a way to relate to it. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, they're all so unique and there's no formula. There's no way to guarantee that things will turn out a certain way. But I think that we look at what, what are we called to do as believers is to posture our hearts and our lives in a way that, um, we're maintaining that relationship with God first and foremost. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's painful and we look at counting the cost and we get afraid, but to be able to say to people, don't let that fear stop you from doing what he's calling you to do right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for being here. Thank you for being on our podcast. And I am so excited to continue our partnership together. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So friends, I hope that podcast episode was helpful to you. Uh, I'm excited that we are going to have a women's panel podcast. So what that is, Julie and I talk about it in this episode here, but three of us women who've been through betrayal and have had different outcomes with our marriages and our lives are going to answer a whole bunch of questions that men with sexual integrity issues or sexual addictions have thrown out there as their big questions that they want to hear a woman answer. So we are excited to bring that to you in a future episode of the Living Truth Podcast. 